welcome to the NECF podcast, where we share our weekly sermons and faithfully interpret the Bible to encourage and direct you on your spiritual path. We're our devoted pastors and special guests delve into the depths of the Bible, exploring its profound lessons and useful applications for your daily life. You don't live the way you want to live, praise God, because you are not in charge, praise God. You're not the one that calls the shots. You're not the one that determines what is good and what is bad. The king determines that for you. And we have a king that is not just the king, but the king of kings. Praise God. So whatever king you have, or whatever king that is leading you, he is the king over that king. Praise God. And you answer to him. Praise God. Join us as we explore the timeless truth that have the power to change people's hearts and minds, promoting a closer relationship with God and a firm belief in His promises. I want to thank the pastor. I didn't usually do this, but I just want to thank the pastor for the opportunity to be able to speak again on a subject that I've spoken on previously. Since I didn't finish, the lead pastor said, okay, should you finish what you started? Praise God. Amen. So the topic is still walking in the truth. And the theme is life in the Holy Spirit. The topic is walking in the truth. So if you don't want to have the same walking in the truth, just write walking in the truth part two. Amen. Amen. I'll do a quick recap and we'll continue. For some of us that weren't around, and I'd like to welcome those of us that are just joining us. We had a blessed, blessed summer, and I know you did have the same wherever you are, and welcome back. Praise God. So the topic is walking in the truth, or the sermon, it's walking in the truth. And last time I established the fact that we're in a world where there's a lot of information, and some we had fake fish fake rice, fake eggs. You, you'll be wondering to yourself how fake can things get? And then they surprise you with another fake of something that you least expect that it could be faked, down to eggs. You open it, you think it's, it's when you cook it and it doesn't respond like the typical egg that you know to respond. It doesn't respond. It will just taste very different. And some people, because they bought it, they will still eat it regardless. Praise God. So, and we established the fact that because something is some, something simply works doesn't mean that it's true. Because the key thing is truth, right? Because something works doesn't mean that it's true. Because something is coherent or is understandable doesn't make it true. Because a lot of people say it's true doesn't make it true. Praise God. We establish those things. A lot of people say it's true. And because it's comprehensive, you know, somebody can write a lengthy document to make a point that is not really a point. Praise God. Somebody can write something lengthy. You have had people send you a whole text message that's a lie. You read it from start to finish. The whole lengthy text message is a lie. It's just repeating lies, lies, just layers of lies upon lies, and then you finish and you say, this person thinks I'm a fool. Praise God. You have, and because people believe it, a lot of people believe it doesn't also make it true. Praise God. And because it's public and it's proven publicly that it works, doesn't also make it true. Praise God. So uh, I still will go back to the fact that 
truth is only found in God because God is true. Scripture says that God is not a liar. Praise God. But Scripture clearly tells us that there is the father of liars, right? The one that gave birth to, or the one that is in charge of those that are lying. Praise God. And, and we took our time to explain. I think I talked a bit on what the word truth is. I, gave us the, I didn't want to tell us what the Greek word is, but I just told us that the Greek word for truth means divine revelation. Praise God. The Greek word for truth means divine revelation. It means something that cannot be hidden. When something is divine, it means that it's from above. It's not from this plane. Praise God. And then the Hebrew word for the word truth also means firmness. It means something that is faithful, something that is reliable. Praise God. Truth is truth regardless of what. And, and it all, it's all attributed to God. Praise God. Because God is truth. And then we have scripture. John 14 verses 6. And this speaks of, this is Jesus Christ speaking. And for someone to say, I am the way, I am the truth, and the life. That's a very bold statement to make. You have to be sure what you're saying. To say, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. It's not just like there are so many layers. If somebody tells you, I am the way to your success, you know, it means that your success is dependent on that person. If you go somewhere else, you will have a hard time. And for someone to tell you that confidently means that there's, there's truth in that. Praise God. means that they can, because you have to, when you say something, you have to be able to back what you've said. Praise God. And, and Jesus Christ is saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Praise God. Um, as believers, once we come to that place where we accept his life, surrender ours and accept his life, we are now in the way, praise God. We are now in the way, praise God. And we have a relationship with the truth. That means we believe the truth, praise God. We believe the truth and the life that we have now is the life that is his, right? That's the Zoe life. So it means that someone who believes in God, believes in the Lord Jesus Christ, has received the life because he is the way. You have access to the way and you have received the life and you believe all that he says. That's all that he says is true because he said he's the truth, right? And then it now goes to say that if you're walking in the truth, you are walking in the life that the truth brings. Praise God. Does that make sense? Praise God. So, so any other way you try to find life, you are missing the mark. Praise God. Any other way you go about to try to find life, and people around the world have tried to find life. They have tried to even see how they can create life. And it's, it's really difficult. They have tried. What we can manage for now is AI. Praise God. In the different forms and variation, and they keep improving, advancing now. Nearest, there's a whole AI that will teach you. It's a professor. that will come, you come to class, and then it's just some robot, and there's nothing human about it. It's just a robot. Praise God. So, and, and we said, and we talked about subjective truth and objective truth, right? Talked about subjective and objective truth. And, and I give a very practical example, like when you come and say, last summer was more hotter than this summer. In fact, 2015 summer is the hottest summer. Praise God. And I say, how you can reach that conclusion is if you are either a thermometer or you work with the department that does the statistics for every day in every summer, right? 
they do it, then you can now reach that conclusion and say, last summer, and I said, if things are hard for you, the summers can, it can be different. Somebody else, what, what do you think about this summer? It's, it's very, it's actually, you are the one that tells yourself which one is, and those things, we will not believe you, praise God, until we have statistics to, to prove. So it means that you just, it's, it's a statement you make subjectively, right? It's a statement you make subjectively. But what we will believe is, a proper step because nowadays people give fake data. So if somebody said they had done it or we have the we see the instrument as a people responsible for it and they tell us, okay, this is the hottest of the summer, then we can go with that. Praise God. So the truth of God's word is not something that you can it's not subjective. It's not what you pick and choose. It's like okay, this one is the what stands out. Praise God. God's word is true all around. Somebody will say that is your truth. That's not my truth. Not that that doesn't work with God's word. He's the creator of the universe. He's the one that determines how things flow. So I want to just go into the part where I explain to us. Yeah, we talked about life. And I also want to want us to look quickly at John 11.25. John 11.25. And this is John 11.25. And this is Jesus Christ speaking. And this is the situation that happened with Lazarus. I think Pastor Costin was was just around there and Jesus Christ is speaking he says he tells he says to her he says I am the resurrection and the life he says I am the resurrection and the life whoever believes me though he die yet shall live though he die yet shall live when someone says I am the resurrection and the life means that they have the ability to give life, right? They have the ability. And this is, if you're familiar with that chapter, you notice that that was when, that was just about the time that he called for Lazarus from the tomb. And I was telling, I was, I think in our cell, when we were having a conversation, it just hit me very differently that particular, um, in that particular cell. And it just came out of my mouth. I was like, Jesus Christ was standing in front of the tomb of someone that has been dead for four days. And then he tells them to open the tomb. I can imagine if you were the one. Someone has been dead for four days and then they tell you, open the tomb. In fact, they're trying to encourage him that, see, this man has been dead for four days. The smell that will come out of that place, might, you might not like it. Praise God. And he, he tells them, open it. It takes believing in what the person is saying to open, right? And then they open it. And then he stands in front of it. And what Pastor Costin just said, he says, he stands in front of it and said, um, he thanks God. And he tells God, he thanks God for always hearing him. He's, in fact, he said he's doing it because of people that are here. And then he doesn't say a lengthy prayer. He just says, Lazarus, come out. Praise God. And then I can imagine the shock. You know, when someone is sleeping and then you tap them, wake up. You know, it's sometimes it's actually a miracle for you to wake up because people sleep and don't wake up, right? But when someone is dead and is dead for four days and, some, and, and really sometimes when we read scriptures, we tend to think it's a movie. Please, don't be in that category of WhatsApp group of people that read scripture and then say, how come? How can Jonah be in the belly of fish for three days? And then the question is, why did Jesus Christ say, the same way as Jonah was in the belly of the fish, he can't be, if it's science fiction or a sci-fi or, or a myth or a story, he can't make reference to that now. Praise God. So it means that something that 
actually happened. And the same way we have true history, something is documented. The same way he spoke, and it's not something that people did not know because people came to meet Lazarus and were like, ah, I can imagine the kind of things they would say. So, you know, if it was typical, say, so what happened now? What did you see on the other side? And Lazarus would start giving them the story of what he saw on the other side. I don't think that it was not documented to us if he had a book or a lunch or maybe a movie. He had to do a series on what he had experienced during all of that. But I want to bring us to the, bring our attention to the fact that Lazarus was dead for four days and he called him forth. And there are some of us that are going through stuff. This is a very good place for, for someone to hear and hear God clearly. You're going through stuff that is not as dead as the dead Lazarus in the tomb. In fact, you still even have life, praise God. And you are doubting God's ability to turn the situation around, praise God. And for a good amount of us, or some of us, the challenge is fees, the debts you owe, and the debts keep piling. It's not like the debts pauses. And then if you're in a university where they increase it without, you don't pay, it just keeps piling. You just keep having, anytime you, you don't even want to go to international office because anytime you go there, you come back more depressed than you are. Praise God. But I'm trying to encourage you that there's, there's a God, right? That if you depend and rely and count on him, the story will not be the same. And I think I've shared, I think I shared this in our cell of a lady who had, she was doing medical school and she, she came here, she, right here on this stage, she shared a testimony of how things were difficult. She was doing medical school, money was coming, at some point in time money stopped coming and the story changed. And it was not just her, she had a younger brother as well. And I, I could remember like yesterday how the father came with the younger brother. She had came, she had come to the school, she was doing medicine, so you can imagine, 12,000, 13,000 euros in a whole session. The brother came, her younger brother came as well, finished. On the they, they were actually going through the whole thing. It was a tough time for her. And she did that, and then money stopped coming. Things were difficult for this lady. But she kept believing. There were times where her faith failed, but she kept believing. And all of a sudden, I think she came here and shared the testimony. Her father got the deal that I think over 50,000 euros. 50,000 euros. And this lady, and the favor she had was that throughout the. There are times where the teachers will allow her to write exams. Medical school, medical students can relate. It's not like the normal semester where you are having committees and they know who is who, they know who paid and who did not pay. And then she will have the teachers grant her that favor of writing the exams without making payments. And that happened and, and when it was time, God just used that and turned the whole situation. And she wept, she was here, right here. She stood here and she shared that testimony. And that was how the story changed. In fact. Right now, I think she had finished her whole housemanship. She's already, she's, she's back in Nigeria. And I want to tell you that there's nothing that is too hard for God. You are the one that is seeing it as difficult. You're the one that is saying, ha, ah, this thing. In fact, you, you now surround yourself with people that will make it worse. They will tell you how somebody died, how the other person, just, just, to, just to give you something to panic up. So what you need to do is to bring your attention to the truth. Someone said that fear is false evidence appearing real, right? False evidence appearing real. That's F-E-A-R. Making The enemy will make those false, not true, false things appear real to you and it will overwhelm you. In fact, you can't even enjoy. And you think, the truth about this is that when the situation turns around, you are panicked all through. Praise God. 
You had panicked all through. You didn't even enjoy yourself. You're moody most of the time. People will know that you're going through stuff. They will look at you and say, that guy is suffering. But that lady is suffering hard. In fact, they are suffering, but when they look at you, they forget their own suffering because yours is, is on another level. Praise God. But notice that you can have a different posture to the difficulty. And we're not saying that you have the problem and act like it doesn't exist. That's not what we're saying. Praise God. You're not acting. There's some people that are very good at it. They just ignore the problem. They sleep, ignore the problem, and they don't even do anything about it. Praise God. They just ignore it. Their own life, life will move on. We'll still... Life continues. They just ignore it. We're telling, we're, what, what I'm encouraging you to do is to take it to the Lord, right? Take it to the Lord and believe him and look for ways he's going to deliver you from it. Some people take it to the Lord and then God presents a way and then you are saying, no, thank you. No, thank you. No, thank you. I, my parents will pay the school fees. They have they are promised that next week they're going to do it. Praise God. And then God has already provided a way. For some people, it's a job that you have to do to get out of the situation. For some people, it's beyond the job because the job cannot, you know, I used to wonder how people think that they can walk and pay school fees on this island. Walk, you, like you can walk, just wake up in the morning, you go to Sanae or somewhere around there, and then you just think that, <laughs> I'm yet to find a person that does that legally, not illegally, because if you do illegal, but, but <laughs> I'm saying this to tell someone that don't think by your own strength, you can be able to come out of that situation. Because your arm of the arm of flesh, this flesh will fail you. You wake up in the morning and you don't feel like doing anything. In fact, the walk, you don't feel like going to the walk because, <laughs> because it's, 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 it's killing you. Praise God. I want you to understand that Jesus Christ knew without a shadow of doubt that if he called Lazarus out of that grave, he was going to come out. He wasn't second guessing. He wasn't testing his powers to see whether it would work or not. He would have said it and walked away, and they are the ones surprised when he walked out. Told them to say, okay, take the clothes off this man. Praise God. So when he says it's the resurrection and the life, he did not just say it. He proved it. Praise God. And in, in John 3, verses 36, I want us to go there again. Go there as well. John 3, 36. It says, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Praise God. So he makes this thing of life, and it, you, you see the theme of life coming in previous scripture, resurrection and life, and it, there's also the theme of believe in him. Praise God. We come into this kingdom by believing in him. Because when we believe in him, as I said earlier, your belief in him introduces you into the way. And that way is truth, right? That way is not just truth at the beginning. It's truth all the way. Praise God. And then it, it ensures that the life that you live now is not the typical life that everybody lives. It's a life that is from above, the zoe, the internal, eternal life. And it's a life that you live not from this plane. You live, that, you live that life from the plane where God is. Praise God. It's a spiritual life. When we say life in the Holy Spirit, we mean that the life that you're living is not the physical life. When you see a physical person, you know that there's a, the person is physical, right? Because of how they react to things, how they behave. There's no dependence on anything that is out of this plane. The same way when you talk about people that do spiritual things, they, depend, they, they live their lives from the standpoint of the fact that they know that the, spirit, the spiritual controls the physical. They will, as a man of God will say, they will... They are in their village. 
they will call your name. You're in the US, so they'll call your name. They are not surprised that they don't see you. They are, they are not surprised that they see you from the US that you are on something and then they do whatever it says there. The same way a believer believes in the power and ability of God to actually keep them, to actually preserve them, to actually keep them away from whatever rot. Because if you're not in him, the rot now will come to you, right? Because there's a consequence for sin. Or, or you can't stand against God. Praise God. You cannot stand against God. If there's a rot accord to those that are not in him, what saves you? You know, somebody cannot... When, you know, when a parent wants to save a child from... Or what, save a child, like, it's like somebody wants to beat you and then your, your dad or your mom holds you. You know that the, the, the weeping will come to your dad or your mom. I'm reminded of a story, but I don't want to share it. But it happened here. Praise God. I'll just keep leave that as a suspense. Somebody was trying to stop someone from being beaten and they got beaten themselves. Praise God. Acts 4 verses 12. Acts 4 verses 12. says, and there is salvation. There, no, no. Okay, let me use, let me use this. He said, nor is there salvation in any other. Very straightforward. There's no other way salvation comes. Right? He said, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. The ESV says, and there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given amongst men by which we must be saved. So it's the name of the Lord that saves you and keeps you, right? The name of the Lord. And it's not just the name itself. So that you don't think that if you mention the name, that's the ticket. It's not like an incantation that you say. Praise God. Is as I said earlier, is believing, right? You're believing that He is the way, and you're walking in the truth, and the life that you now live translates into the life that you live from the standpoint of His own life. Praise God. So I want to do this very. I want to go and give us an example from scriptures of certain individuals, and. I want to help us because that the Old Testament and, or, or the book of Kings and Chronicles is what we're going to be doing. I want to use their example to just tell us, just to paint a picture for us on how not to. If there's anything I learn, most people, when they read their Bibles, they just read it and read through. But what you can see from Scripture is patterns. And there are certain patterns you don't want to live, you don't want to follow. Praise God. There are certain patterns you want to follow because the results are very, they are distinct. It's like day and night. Praise God. And we have the kings. I think some of us might be aware, but I'll just try to see how I can condense it and help us understand. When you're reading the book of Kings Chronicles, you see a lot of kings. And sometimes it gets confusing. You don't even know. Sometimes they tell you, okay, this king, and then you hear the same name, and it just gets you confused. You're like... But they say king of Judah, and the same name is, in, is also the king of Israel. And then sometimes it's Samaria, and then you're thinking to yourself, what is going on here? How do we get past this? And it takes a lot of patience and study, and that's what the word of God requires for you to understand. You don't just come and read it like a newspaper, and then, yes, you have the information, and you go. You have to take your time to study, to see clearly, and to ensure that you live your life to pattern, Right? Live your life to what God's word is. And I would like us to look at 
we can't go through the whole thing, but I'll just give us a, a very quick summary. I would like to start from the King Josiah and his story. Just write it down so that you can read it for yourself. The story of King Josiah is seen in 2 Kings 22 to 23. 2 Kings 22 to 23. Some of us don't have notes, so just... And it's, it's very wrong of you, but... 2 Kings 22 to 23 and 2 Chronicles 34 to 35. That's where we see the story. And it's a very, very... I, I, it will bless you if you read the story of this particular king. And I will tell us of another king that is... People often confuse the two kings. And in fact, in that king also, there's a confusion as well where the king is. And it's Johash. Johash and Johash, the, the names are spelled differently. When we open the scripture, I think we'll see it. I want us to go to 2 Chronicles 34 verses 1. 2 Chronicles 34 verses 1. King Josiah is, I think he came into, he, he, he became king at the age of 8. Became king at the age of 8. Media, please help us. Yeah. So, 2 Chronicles 34, verses 1. It says, Josiah was 8 years old when he became king. He reigned for 31 years in Jerusalem. Not where he reigned. He reigned for 31 years in Jerusalem. And I will just explain it a bit. The nation of Israel were two, was initially one kingdom, right? Initially one kingdom after Solomon had handed over to his son, Rehoboam. Rehoboam it was during his time the nation was split into two. So when you're reading your Bible and you see Jerusalem or Judah, it means the one of the kingdom. And that's the kingdom where David, because that's the, that's the capital, that's actually where the capital is. And then you have the nation of Samaria or the nation of Israel, that's the other kingdom. And most times you'll be reading them, when you're reading, especially the kings and the, you'll be seeing king of Judah, then next time you see king of Israel or king of Samaria and sometimes and there's a part of it that the names get you see and I don't know whether I should go there and explain but let's just do this first and then I'll explain that very quickly. So he was eight and the interesting thing what I love about his story is the fact that he, he go to verse three. So he reigned as king says for in the eighth year of his reign while he was still young not that this person was young. So being young is not an excuse to not rule right. You know, you know even the Proverbs say, what to you who your king is still a... So note that with guidance, with counsel, being part of a family, you are able to live right. And I, I'll come to that. I, I hope I'll be able to do that in this. It says, while he was still young, he began to seek the God of his father, David. He began to seek the God of his father, David. And in the 12th year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of the high places. When the scripture talks of high places, it talks of idols, shrines. Shrines that were not to God, but to... And you see it there, wooden images, carved images, and molded images. So, he sought God, sought God at a stage in his life, and it translated into an action. Praise God. Some of us are seeking God, but we're not taking action on what God is telling us to do. Praise God. When you are seeking God, you will always have some an action. Some of us, we come to church, we hear God's word, no action. 
You just get excited and there's nothing that you're doing in response to the word that is spoken to you. If somebody says, get up, and then you're still seated, you didn't understand what is said. You should respond to what is said. If we come and then the, we are encouraged to seek God, it means that we should have a church of believers that are seeking God, not just on a Sunday, but seeking God every day of the week. And then when we come on a Sunday service, we don't struggle to get you to, to do the things that you, you should be doing on your everyday, but we just have a congregation, fellowship or time where we do it together, praise God, where we do the worship and the fellowship together. And it translated into how he led because he purged the kingdom. If you read that chapter down to seven, you see how he purged and he did that following the instructions, the commands and what Moses had given. That was the law. He, he instituted and instigated that everything should be done. And this, this is what kings do. They ensure that they, they, they enact laws that everybody, because if you're in a kingdom, you have to live the way the king chooses. Praise God. If, even if the king is evil, the king is good, if you don't like the way the king is, find another kingdom. Praise God. The same way we are in this kingdom, you have to live the way the king instructs you. Praise God. You don't live the way you want to live. Praise God. Because you are not in charge. Praise God. You're not the one that calls the shots. You're not the one that determines what is good and what is bad. The king determines that for you. And we have a king that is not just the king, but the king of kings. Praise God. So whatever king you have, or whatever king that is leading you, he is the king over that king. Praise God. And you answer to him. Praise God. I want to go back and note that the way I think Pastor um, Victor said it beautifully because I had written it down in my notes, but I don't. The way it works is that the way you are able to live in line with the king is by abiding. And he mentioned the word man, which is, he said staying, but I love staying present. You know, some of us, you, I'll use the analogy, I think it came to me and it was beautiful. I used, I used the analogy of being online, right? You know, when you're always online, when, when the information drops, you get it. You get it, you respond. Some of us, we're not online. We respond after a month or two or three or even a year. Depends on what platform <laughs> it is. But note that with God, I'd rather be offline and be online with God all day because that's, uh, that's the best place to, in my defense. <laughs> in my defense. Understand that, that staying present means that you are aware, right? You're very aware. Have you ever won, have you ever, you, okay, there was a class and then people online knew that the class was canceled. And then you showed up, you dress, you woke up that morning, the class was on your mind. You know, some of you have, mm -hmm, you have been there. You woke up that morning and you dressed up, you wore your Sunday best, you say, I'm going for this class and then you arrived and then you're the only one. Praise God. And you're the only one. And then I had, I think I was walking past, I was saying, just imagine, after I took my time and left my house, the lecturer, the insulted the lecturer, did not show up. Praise God. And the funny thing is that the way to do it is that you put a, or some people put a post towards the time, and then you have students not checking to find out. But know that once you're always present, you are aware of whatever it is, changes that can happen, right? But know that with God, there's no changes. It's the same, right? 
But some of us, we are aware, but we're not responding to that. When he says abide, he says you're staying present in the truth. When the scripture says abide in his truth, abide in the truth, it means that you stay present. You stay present. And when you are present, there's not going to be confusion, right? There's no confusion because confusion means that they said it's not happening and you thought it's happening and you went there and you were confused. Praise God. You're not sure what is happening. But staying present will ensure that you are walking in the truth. You're not in ignorance. You're not lied to or you don't lie to yourself. Praise God. And that's why abiding is very important. Abiding is very important. And I'll quickly take us to the other king, which is um, Johash. Johash. And his own story you can find in 2 Kings 11 to 12 and 2 Chronicles 23 to 24. That is Johash. Sometimes it's J-O-Hash. So it's 2 Kings 11 to 12 and 2, King, and 2 Chronicles 23 to 24. And his own situation is a bit complicated because during the time he, and by the way, there was the same king in leading Judah and at some point king with the same name in both the north and the south. So the king of there's a king of Judah called the same name and a king of Samaria or Israel called the same exact name. So sometimes when you're reading it, you'll be like, ah, it's not. But what will make them stand out is their parents. That's why in the Bible you read the King Josiah, son of. So you, you know that it's not the same person. You very because and how that misunderstanding started was when the one father is friends with the other father, and then they decided to name. They said, okay, I'll name my child your name. You name your child my name. And that confusion is around, I, I want, I, I would have loved to show us the chat, but let's just manage my explanation of it. If you want, you can go online or you can go on a Bible app and find the chats. But it's very beautiful. It, it draws the lines of the kings and then it shows you the, north, the, the kings of Judah and the kings of Israel or kings of Samaria. And it was around the time where there was King Joram. King Joram actually married the sister of the other king, which is Ahaziah, right? Ahaziah. So Ahaziah had a sister, Ataliah. Some of the names are very... So, so the sister married the other king, and they do that to, if you're familiar with movies that had kingdoms, they do that to strengthen the bond between them. And most of the times when they marry, and that's why God instructed them not to marry for marriage, because once you marry, you will marry plus the different things, the idols and all of those things. And, and that was what actually happened with him. So, Jehoram married Ataliah, which is the, the, the sister to Isaiah, and then he now gave birth to a child and named the child Ahaziah. So it means that the next king after him was Isaiah. And then he, the king, was... And then in the kingdom of Israel, Isaiah gave birth to a child and named the child Joram. <laughs> so you'll be wondering to yourself, ah, but there's, the name is the same. So you, you see in your Bible that Joram, um, King Isaiah, the son or the father, depends on which one. You'll see 
how you can tell the difference is that, and, and that's the confusion, that's where it started, then you now get to a point where you have Josiah, and then, and they reigned almost at the same time. The, the king of Judah, Josiah the king of Judah was rounding off his reign, and then Josiah, king of Israel, now came in. And in fact, in, at that point in time, there was a mis misunderstanding between them because next, next thing you'll see is Josiah was now fighting the next king. I just wanted to just clear that, to just show us that partnership also can, people can be friends and then things, they go their separate ways. And it's good for them because if you look at the lines of the kings of Israel, you discover that the story is, and they did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And they did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. Most of them did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. That's, the, that's how it goes. And then it affected some of the kings of Judah. He said, and they did what was evil, or it gets to a point, they say, they did what was good in the sight of the Lord, but not with the whole of their heart. <laughs> because it's a mix of, of things. And it's a beautiful thing to look and see. And, to, and what you now see is that the kings that do well, they, their reign, at least, they, their reign is, in fact, they stay a longer time, not all of them, but most of them stay a longer time in reign. They don't have people wanting to kill them because when a king is doing well, Nobody complains. Some of us, when they say Nigeria independent, they're like, mm, Nigeria. Mm. Yeah. Because <laughs> you don't, but not that. What you can do is to pray, right? Pray and don't lose hope in the fact that things will get better. Even though sometimes it doesn't seem like it. Praise God. But I want you to have your hopes in God. And I want you to, to understand that when a wicked king is in power, the people are not happy, right? And what they do is do something about it. They pray about it or find a way to ensure that God's word reigns supreme from their standpoint. And I want us to go to 2 Kings 11 verses 1. 2 Kings 11 verses 1. It says, when Ataliah, the mother of Isaiah, so it means that the name there is that of her brother, but it's her son, Right? Named as that of a boy, but her son. It was dead. She arose and destroyed all the royal heirs. This Ataliah now became the only queen, the only queen ever to reign in Judah. And it's very beautiful when you trace her history. Remember, she's not from there. She's from the from Israel. She was just married into that. And her father, her grandfather too. It's the same thing. Her, her grandfather is one of the kings. His name is Omri. Her grandfather is one of the kings in, he was the, after the whole, he was the fifth. One, two, three, four. He was the sixth after the split. He was sixth after the split. And he became king by killing, by killing his, the king that he was ruling under. Same pattern. So you discover that her grandfather, same thing, kills the king, becomes Power. And if you remember, when Jezebel was, was because it's hold the line, Jezebel's husband is her father. That's the same woman. This particular Italia, she's the same, is the same woman. So it's, it's almost like in their family, they are very used to evil. Evil runs very smoothly in the family. Like they, they are not, it's not strange to them for someone to kill the whole, even her grandchildren. That's what she did. She killed her grandchildren to consolidate power. Praise God. That's how people can do crazy things to consolidate power. And, and, and I want you to see and understand that she had plans, but God had greater, right? 
God had greater plans. I want you to see the following verse. That's two. Two. It says, but she had done that, but Jehosheba, the daughter of the king, the daughter of King Joram, that is that's her daughter. And most times when you see, it's not necessarily because some of us would think king and queen. The king might have several wives, so it might not be her mother. It's just the, the king's daughter. And she's a sister to Isaiah. That means the child that we'll see, which is Johash, is not necessarily is her, I mean, it's a, she's aunt. She's a, it's a nephew, right? That's the word for it. It's a nephew. And then what she did is that she stole him away. When she was killing all the royal blood, she stole him away. And guess where she hid him? And by the way, I will, which we'll see in the Chronicles rendition of the account, we'll see that this woman is married to the priest, Jehoiada. So she's married to the priest. And when she steals the child, she hides the child in the temple. Praise God. Steals him and hides him. Let's go to three. So, so he was stolen and hidden in the house of the Lord for six years. For six years, while Atiyah reigned over the kingdom. So her reign was very short. I think she reigned for five years. Then he came back. He, then he was now made king. And this king started his reign when he was seven. So he started his reign was seven. So he's much younger than the previous king. I think if I'm not mistaken, he's the youngest. He's the youngest king. He started his reign was seven. But what I want you to see is where the king is hidden. Most of the times, all through scripture, you see when people want to hide, they hide in plain sight. <laughs> they hide in plain sight. When, when uh, Moses was hidden, was the person that instructed for people to kill children, it's where the child was hidden in. Most of the times you see patterns in scripture where the child will be hidden, hidden in a place where you know to, but you don't know that they will be hidden there. Praise God. And even um, the situation, is the place of, you have even Jesus Christ himself, like you have a situation where they go to a place you least expect them to go to because this was a place that you were enslaved to. You can't be going into the place that enslaved you way back because it's history. Praise God. And then you see them, having to hide him in the temple of God. And really, it's, it points to the fact that where we can truly hide is in God. Psalms 91 says that he that dwells in secret will abide under the shadow. And you know that that is not a physical place in this dispensation that we're in. We know that hiding in God is the secret place. Right? Dwelling with God is that place that is sacred, and it's that place you have protection. And that was how he stayed there, and he was groomed in the word. And then when he came out, he reigned as a king that did the will of God. Praise God. There's no way around it. If you want to walk with God, you have to dwell with God. You have to abide in God. You have to stay present in God. I don't know where we're following. Some of us are looking like we had a long night. Praise God. Understand that if you want to really enjoy the abundant life that God offers. You have to abide in God. You can't they say, eat your cake and have it. You can't, you can't do it any other way. Praise God. And it requires work. It requires work. For a plant to stay, there's a flow, but the plant has to ensure that it doesn't detach itself. Because when it detaches itself, 
it loses the essence, it loses life. Praise God. And the, I will take us back to Josiah to tell you that he was prophesied of. There are very few kings in the Bible that you, or very few situations or instances in the Bible where someone will say a person will be born, give you the name of the person. You know that I can tell you somebody will be born, he will do this and this and this and this and this. But when I tell you the name of the person, I've set myself up. If I was lying to you, you will not even find out if it's a long time. Praise God. <laughs> so let's go to 1 Kings 13 verses 2. 1 Kings 13 verses 2. So it says, And then he cried out against the altar by the word of the Lord. And he says, O altar, altar, thus says the Lord, Behold a child Josiah by name shall be born to the house of David. Remember we said, Josiah, if you remember the, we say, on you, he shall sacrifice on, so that's on your altar. He shall sacrifice the priests of the high places who burned incense on you. He was speaking to the altar. Just understand that he was speaking to the altar. And men's bones shall be burned on you. He was talking to the altar. This person walks and is talking to the altar. And then go to verses 3, the next verse. And then he gave, and he gave a sign the same day, saying, This is the sign which the Lord has spoken. Surely the altar shall split apart, and the ashes on it shall be poured out. Something dramatic happened after he does this, because there's the other king. Go to the next verse. There's the king Jeroboam. Remember I told you that the, the nations were split into two. There's Rehoboam, even though it's funny, they have Re and Je just stick with it. This guy here is the one that reinstituted the whole worship of calves. And his, in fact, his name follows with it. They will say, Jeroboam the Nebat, the one who instigated the, the whole children of Israel to go back to worshiping. And by the way, when they say worshiping idols, you know, nowadays we don't worship calves. There are things that we worship. And worship just means you place it above God. And for some of us, we place certain things above God so highly that any attack on that thing will mean an attack to your whole life. Praise God. Meanwhile, somebody is attacking God, it doesn't phase you. But you, an attack to that thing you hold dear will be an attack on your whole life. And it's, it's, it's funny because it just shows you what your priority is. Your priority is not God, it's something else. So now, let, let's just watch and see. So this is the other king, the king of... Samaria, the one that was reigning, the first king to reign in Samaria. And then he says, he heard the man of God and he says, he cried out against, he said, he said who cried out against the altar of Bethel? He said, then he stretched out his, his hand from the altar saying, arrest him. Then his hand which was stretched, stretched towards him withered so that he couldn't pull it back to himself. You know, you know when somebody is doing, saying something and then you just say, Arrest him, and all of a sudden your hand is there. And your hand cannot come back. You know, you take that person, what that person says, serious. You know, some of you need to see some certain things before they God serious. Praise God. To see some, like something or hardship hits you, then you now take God serious. So, you know, we see it all the time. But the, you know, you, you, you don't wait for things to get hard for you to now follow God. When you are in God, and then things get hard, you have 
you take solace in the fact that you are you are being with God. And your being with God doesn't mean that things, you know, some of us we have this screwed mentality that because you are with God, hardship will not come your way. Please delete it. Delete it. Because how do you know the quality of something if it's not tested? And we're not saying that God will willingly test you, but we're saying that you're in a world where there are tests all around you. Praise God. Let's go back to the scripture. So the man raises his hand. And then, you know, when you as a king, you experience what is beyond you, you know, you respect yourself. And then you start begging. You start begging because <laughs> my hand cannot go back. <laughs> How am I going to do this one now? So go to the next verse. So the altar, yeah. So the altar also was split apart. So remember he gave a prophecy of Josiah and then he gave a sign to that prophecy. And by the way, let me just say this before I forget. Note that the time frame where this man gave this prophecy, there are a lot of kings down to the enactment of this prophecy. I did the math for us so you don't have to do the math. It's about 300 years to 290 years. 300 to 290. If you're to now count it by chapters, if you're flipping your Bible pages, you'll count 31 chapters to where you see this king. Praise God. So I'm saying this to say that it might take, it might seem like it's taking a while for what God has said concerning whatever matter you're holding on to, to manifest. But God is a God that keeps his word. It might take too long. Going back to the testimony of this, the lady I was saying, it might, take, it might seem like your mates are moving. You're, they are graduating and you have not graduated. Praise God. Know that the, the pace that you're moving and their pace is not the same, but you will reach that finish line. Some of us are very familiar with what I'm saying, where your friends have graduated, but you are still struggling to pay the fees to graduate. And I'm not saying it to say that it will happen tomorrow, but I'm saying to say that just trust God in the midst of that situation. God is a God that keeps his word. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Scripture says he's an ever-present help in our times of need. For the fact that the situation is not changing doesn't mean that he's, he has left his throne. He's still very much on the throne. Please take us back to, to that. It will take that long, but God will still do what he said he will do. But he gave a sign. And the sign was such that the altar was split. And then now the ashes was poured out. And according to the sign, the man of God had given. Because he gave a sign there and then. Then the next, it says six. So it says, then the king answered and said to the man of God, please entreat the favor of the Lord your God and pray for me. Now the king is demanding prayers. See, pray for me the way some of us, when the situation is hard, you now be begging for prayers, right? Not that you have the so-called altars that you raised, you do not pray to it. In fact, it just shows you that the altar that you raised doesn't have any power in them. Because if God steps into those altars the same way he did to Dagon, when they carried the Ark of God, even though they had, cap they had held captive the children of Israel and carried their Ark, but they kept it in the same shrine where Dagon is, and Dagon was falling down. You guys were confused. Like, what is happening to Dagon? They raised him up the next, I think it became worse. The hand was broken <laughs> in the next episode of the falling. Praise God. It shows that even though, and the, the Hebrew boys will say, you had 
you had held captive these people. And the way kingdoms work is that if I'm able to conquer your kingdom, it means that the God I serve is greater than your own God. And here, here, here the children of Israel are now captive because it's not that. In fact, the children of Israel, the kingdom of Israel was the first to be totally conquered. Judah was now the one that happened last. To tell you that their own sins were like, and they will be warning them. You have people like Elisha warning them, return to God, return to God. The same way some of us are hearing warnings. Turn to God, turn to God, turn to God. Till you're in the prison, you start giving your life to Christ. In the prison, you say, oh Lord, I repent. I repent because now there's no other way. And the prison now gives you that place of quiet. You can now hear God clearly. All, at, all along, life was just moving up and down. You're moving every day. You have something to go to. Activity. Activity upon activity. And then now he, he pleads for him to pray. And the man of God went ahead, prayed, and he, he was restored. He was restored. But note that he was restored, but he still went back to his ways. Praise God. And I encourage you that when you hold on to God, hold on to him. Because your life actually depends on him. Hold on to him because your life depends on him. And I'll just stop here. I'll just stop here. I'd like us to just, with what has been said, if there's anything that should stand out to you, is the fact that God should be trusted. Even if he says a thing and it doesn't seem like it, Holding on to him is the best thing that you can do because he makes the journey worthwhile. Have you seen people that are going through stuff and then you can't... It blows your mind how they carry themselves in the midst of what they are going through. You, you, you hear their story and you be like, how can somebody still sleep going through this kind of a thing? But note that the mindset, which is what I, I was, I'm heading at, the mindset of a person that believes in God is different from the mindset of a person that he might, he or she might be a believer. He or she might show up in church. But there's a posture of a person that knows God's ability to deliver. And the problem is that we forget. Every now and then God does something for you, you forget. You move to the next one. He does something again, you forget. Make it a habit to write down the things that God has done for you. The hymn writer says, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done because he has done a lot. He has brought you from where you were, taking you to this particular point, and you forget so quickly. The children of Israel will be always remember that I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. He will say it so many times, but it's almost like the, it was a dream to them. Praise God. And I'm saying this to encourage someone that seems like you're overwhelmed. Even if it doesn't, like for some people, they are having the best time of their life. Things are moving smoothly. Just know that it, it happens to everyone at some point. There's the highs and the lows. Some people just find a way to stay above the valley. Some people find a way to just stay at the top and never come down because the God that we serve is the most high God. No matter how low your situation is, he can keep you up. He says, and they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount upon wings like an eagle. Means that they will run and never get tired. If, when people are giving up and gassing out, they hold on to God. Praise God. I'd like you to just close your eyes. Rise up to your feet. Just close your eyes and say, Father, I thank you because you're a strong tower. I run to you and I find strength.
I rely, I depend on you, and I will stay present. Thank you for listening to our sermon today. We hope you were blessed by this teaching. If you want to learn more about our church, please visit our website or follow us on social media. We would love to connect with you and hear your feedback. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast channel and share it with your friends and family. You never know who might need a word of encouragement.